Hello, Riggs. Hi. Hey. Hello. How are you? I'm all right, yeah. It's How are you? Very well. All the better for seeing you here for a midweek. Yeah. This is exciting stuff because... Well, I think it's the start of a theme, potentially. <gasps> yeah. Themed week around video games. Wow. Okay. So yeah. this was one that I remember seeing... I don't know, probably close to the time it came out. Was it 1997? Yeah. 97. I yeah. saw it on home video, but like as soon as it was available on home yeah. video. Yeah. 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 It's the game. Michael Douglas. Yeah. David MD. Fincher. And, uh, and Sean Penn. Oh. Yeah, I know. I know. But he's in it. He is, yeah. And uh, this I- was one as one of a sort of slew of late 90s reality benders that you know posited that the world around you wasn't real in some way like the truman show and the matrix and the dark city and this movie and uh, yeah it's a it's a sort of paranoidy thriller yeah and i like the way that they've done that because you're right they have put in this upsetting world or this world that isn't quite what everything seems but they brought in almost into a corporate level where you actually buy a game that you you charge for this entertainment and give very little away before you actually start playing it so what happens is michael douglas is what is it what's his name van der o- van der oort or something nicholas van orton nicholas van orton van owns orton? the building wait there is that i got hang on that's millhouse van houten no it's van right. orton, <laughs> it's van orton. Right. and conrad Den- conrad is his brother yeah. denise van Alten. yes so <laughs> Denise is or Nicholas. He well, owns the Riggs, building. Yeah, Riggs likes an opening shot. So should we? Should we, oh, go, we, should should we take it back it? to the start? Because well, I do, yeah, take me. It then. starts. It starts with a kind of sepia montage of his childhood with his dad, and obviously a very privileged upbringing. It's, they live in a mansion. They live in a mansion. It's very, very well to do. We see some shots of you know expensive cars and there's a driver. There's kids' parties yeah. where there's everyone. I know even the kids are wearing suits. It's all very. Like, almost like royalty, you know, the way they're carrying on, but doesn't necessarily show it as being particularly happy necessarily. No. Well, his father is a With, sort of shadowy presence yeah. at the back of the room in mm. silhouette. You see him sometimes yeah. and he gives him a toy boat. But like you say, there's no joy there. No. And and all this is happening as the, the credits are rolling mm. and the, the title music's playing. And you see this, this kind of dreamlike, old sepia sequence of it's also a, a bit scratchy it's quite yeah. scratchy and he just this is off the back of seven which right. the titles had that as well so mm. i wasn't necessarily expecting a serial killer movie but it's definitely gives you that downbeat yeah, yeah. It, everything's not super happy here there's an anxiety there with the music yeah. with the with mm. the visuals and you see a, a young boy which you, you already take to be young michael douglas young nicholas and he he gazes up at the the roof and he sees a figure up there which he knows to be his father and it just holds that shot as he's stood on top of the building and then it kind of cuts to him falling or well, I, don't think he does, I don't think he does that straight it doesn't away. happen straight away you, do, you just see the flashbacks and then it like cuts to douglas splashing water on his yeah. face and then you know you see the signs of his astonishing wealth he's waited on hand and foot and he goes to his own building the van orton building in san francisco and a lackey greets him and parks his car and he goes up and he's sneeringly dismissive to his secretary you can see he's this control freak there's no there's never going to be a right answer to anything that he Mm. says 
when his ex-wife calls, she says, oh, Elizabeth is on line one. And he's like, who's that ex-wife? You he's, know that. Yeah. I think he's forgotten his own birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, or on purpose, maybe. Yeah. And But he has been called by Seymour Butts. <laughs> Yeah. Which he takes, he, he cancel, cancels his uh, schedule to take the meeting with Seymour Butts. Because he knows this to be his brother and this is where we meet Sean Penn and they, they eat in a restaurant. Sean Penn was never going to get in without knowing his brother. It's this country kind of club style, brilliant hotel Posh yeah, place. members only, perhaps. Members yeah. only. Needed a jacket that he had to borrow. They gave me a free um, jacket. <laughs> yeah. And then he, he lights a, a cigarette and they say, look, you can't smoke in here. You can't smoke in anywhere in San Francisco. And he goes, I'm with you. Yeah. What are they going to do? Yeah, his brother has some some weight. And, um, well, he says the last time I, I saw anyone from here, I was buying crystal meth off, yeah. the, <laughs> off the maitre d'. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he's had his ups and downs and their, their relationship is obviously a little bit strained, but they do make the effort and he's he's cancelled his appointments, as you say, and he's gone to meet his brother hmm. who hasn't forgotten it's his birthday and wants to give him a gift. Yeah, yeah, he does give him a gift. Well, what do you give the man who's got everything? He gives him a business card for CRS, Consumer yeah. Recreation Services. And he tells Nick to call the, the number. You know, it will be a profound life experience, he says to him. Yeah. And he he finds himself in a building a, a couple of days later after a meeting that has the the logo of the company yeah. that he's been debating on on calling. His brother insisted. He said, you will call him. You will call him, won't yeah. you? And he, he says, said, yeah, I said yeah, I would. He said, he didn't he's, say it. Yeah. He's the kind of guy that won't unless you press him. Better. Yeah, he's in the midst of some transaction or other. Something, Some deal is going down. So he's quite on edge more so than usual he's That's taking why. over a publishing house that and the guy who owns it was sort of friends with his father so it's a difficult business deal and it's being set up in the background and van orton is having to take all of it on personally yeah and yeah like you say dan in the lobby of the the building there's a like a pop-up in, in sort of in construction version of the crs and he clocks it and he's got the invitation on him and he's like mm, okay and as he's there he thought oh well, fuck it, I'm here, I'll go and see what it's all about, which turns into a whole day of testing and, you know, answering Psychological tests and, yeah. and all kinds of, there's a physical in there. He thinks it's going to take a couple of hours, which I thought even then he's going to say no to, but he finds a time and you can see he's agitated when he's been there all day. Mm. It's the great James Rib Ribhorn. Is that how yeah. you say his name? That's right. The guy that greets him and welcomes him And he plays this fine gold. Yeah. And he's kind of just sort of going through the motions, eating his Chinese. Everything's set to disarm him, actually, because the secretary makes him wait, which is unusual for him. And the building is still being assembled around him. Mm. Yeah. They've just moved floors. Anyway, yeah, he does the physical exams. He does the psychological tests and he signs a release thing as well he's done all the bits and pieces he gets like he has to do like a clockwork orange yeah yeah he turns around and looks at the projectors like what is this and it's all these disturbing images and then flashing up words like uh, commitment and uh, orgasm yeah and so, he's clearly yeah, like, yeah, was... at, well out of his comfort zone here he says uh, the guy says to him you won't have to pay if you're unsatisfied and he says dissatisfied and he says oh that's right you're a left-brained word fetishist <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i felt seen for a minute yeah. there. <laughs> so anyway, at the squash court, he can hear people talking about CRS. Mm. That's and he goes into the club and he picks two guys' brains about CRS and they have this sort of cult-like look on their face, don't they, when yeah. they talk about it? 
they're two gentlemen a little bit older than he is and they're they're enjoying the whiskey that he's bought them as he slowly gets around to the topic that he bought a drink for them in the first place and they don't give much away they just say it's whatever you want it to be or, or mm. the, the meaning will come to you you know he the, quotes a bible verse to him he says whereas once i was blind now i can see and it's all creepy the score's creepy and it's shadowy and and, and they say oh yeah my first time if, if i wish i could go back for my first time so he's a little more intrigued and probably disappointed a few days later when he's in the meeting yeah it cuts to his board meeting about this deal and he's just ruthlessly going through this mm. extremely long document and just scribbling on it you know you can just see him putting red lines through stuff and he throws it on the table and sort of in disgust and his number two says to the the board members this has to be done by tomorrow when mr orton boards his plane tomorrow morning this will be done perfectly but they know it's that's an all-nighter for them yeah yeah and he's just like but his phone rings and he takes the call and it's crs says it's obviously a private line says how did you get this number and they just say to him, just cut him off and say, well, yeah, thanks for your time, but you've been declined. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, not you used fight. to that. So I'm saying no to him. It's not, obviously not uh, something that happens very often. And they just they just hang up. And he's obviously like, he's thrown off balance and like, well, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He, he asks his number two comes in mm. and says, you okay. And he's a bit put out, but he's a busy guy. But everything has been done so far just to... Just to well, it starts to, to unsettle him, him the man him. who controls and runs everything. We're about and 25 it, minutes into the film here, and we've just established the kind of guy that Nicholas yeah. is, and mm. the the people around how they react, the relationships he has with people. Well, he phones he phones Conrad on the way home and says, oh, "I've decided I'm I'm too busy for that." He can't yeah. even tell him the, what's actually happened. He's like, "No, I just I decided to yeah to pull the plug." Needs on that. to be in control. Yeah. He's one of these guys yeah. needs to be in control all the time of everybody he wants them yeah but what he's not in control of dan is that when he gets back to his house after that phone call well uh, we have now seen the father jump yeah in flashback and when he gets back to the house there's a body yeah lying basically exactly as his father was on after his suicide and then it gets worse because yeah. when he goes to investigate it, it's actually a terrifying mannequin with a clown face on it it's fucking fuck no that yeah. is no 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 and in the clown's mouth is a key which he studies you know and he, he plays with it while he sits in his study and then the news is talking it's been talking in the background I love, fucking uh, love this bit about healthcare a lot of the time there's been an interesting subplot going on if you listen to the news thing about healthcare and pension plans that, all, that he's involved in and the newscaster Daniel Shaw playing himself says in the background he says no one has considered how this will impact the pampered existence of Nicholas Van Orton and suddenly he's it like just sort what? of hears his name yeah, he isn't quite sure. And it goes back to And then it starts insulting him. Has anybody considered what it would take to, you know, for a bloated flat, fat cat millionaire like you, he says. And and sure enough, he susses after thinking he's heard something for a couple of minutes. He actually starts having a conversation with his television. Yeah. And he can't believe it, of course. He's a guy's got all questions for him and it seems that he can actually see him because when he says something he says no save your questions for later we're going to do this this and this mm. he starts trying to piece the television apart to find the camera that must be looking at him um but in fact what happens is that the maid comes along 
Well, he finds it in the uh, the mouth. He, of the... he does eventually. The maid comes along though and and says everything okay as he's kind mm. of ripping off mm. bits of the furniture. And yes, the, yes. The newsreader um, snaps back to a normal. Yeah, yeah, um, really, really cleverly yeah. done. And as you say, finds out that it's the camera is in the eye of the clown. Yeah, and there's a key, and he tells the newscaster talks to him again and tells him there will be keys to look out for keys. And uh, yeah, it's just really crazy and uncertain. Game oh, is... he's given a number, isn't he? To that he's to call for emergencies only. That's right, yeah. And then his game kind of begins and he's been then told he's not accepted and his game is now beginning. So you can understand he's a little bit confused. He thinks this is unprofessional. Yeah, and then and everything now suddenly takes on a weird veneer because he goes to the airport and there's like a homeless guy pestering him for a minute. And then as he walks in, there's like a pilot who looks a bit weird and shifty mm. on a phone call. And when you listen to the phone call, it actually sounds like there's nobody on the other end. And then like it's just weird stuff happening. When he goes to the toilet, somebody wants toilet roll being passed. When he goes to the executive lounge, a, a guy aggressively stares at him him and points at him and then he realizes he's got on him and it's like ratcheting up the tension and and also it, it kind of gave me the feeling that the game had started to begin because he was taking in what's happening right at that second right now he's mm. walking along and he's noticing conversations he's he's sensing people are around him or or whatever it is but Just watching that, this fresh though the first time you yeah. didn't know you no. didn't know at this stage no, what's well, going on but there is the tension because this film is so brilliantly paced all the time there's the yeah. tension and the paranoia of what's happening yeah but i i did get the the sense there as well that Okay, look, he's he seems to be looking at things differently. He's paying attention to things that otherwise he wouldn't. Maybe it's because of the paranoia in and around mm. this game starting and everything. Um, I thought about that poor bastard who was asking for the toilet paper. He didn't give him any, so yeah. he'd have to like waddle out of it. Yeah. You know the waddle, yeah. But in a pub, in an airport toilet. Yeah. Yeah, so that that was a an interesting little scene. And there's there's lots of chance meetings and certain things. There was a baby's rattle which had the face of a clown mm. um which was put right next to him and he wasn't sure the way it was laid under a newspaper it was another key and he was kind of reaching over and then the girl the, the mother comes along and gives him a dirty look as she picks it up before him mm. and a lot of these things may have been already mm. put in by the game as we'll Who find knows? out later or they could be chance yeah because um, when he gets to his meeting he's savaging anson bauer the head of the publishing thing that he's gone to sort the deal out for and his briefcase he can't open it and he's got to give him the final papers but he yeah. realizes it's not his briefcase and now he's got a crs key and he can open it and blah blah you know yeah yeah it it really starts to i mean that scene he's flown over to another state new york maybe with his briefcase with all the papers to do this deal that everybody's been staying up all night to do and write the contract and it, his friend had come the number two had come to the airport and said look i've checked myself personally it's all good thanks so much right go and knock him dead can't get it open mm. he plays it really cool in the meeting doesn't he, he says mm. you're a lucky day and walks out and then you see him in the lobby yeah. slamming yeah. his briefcase down yeah and then he it cuts to back home and he's well no, it, well, no he goes to this restaurant. is where he meets christine yeah. yeah so he goes to a restaurant and um well a waitress just spills wine all over him and she apologizes at first but then she calls him an asshole as she walks off because you know he does get a bit snappy with her but He's had a shitty day and uh, she did pour a load of wine over him. And then she's fired because the maitre d'. And his, rea his reaction doesn't help. She calls him an arsehole mm. and she's fired. Mm. And then he's taken to another 
table and then a waiter immediately hands him something and then goes off and he reads the note and then follows him but the guy's gone and it cuts to outside and he's waiting for christine the 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 waitress who's just been sacked yeah, yeah and he's like i don't know how this works you know because he's now all oh, right this is all part of the game he's starting to get it and but she's like who is this fucking nut job yeah like it's really unsettling because she's it's now flipped completely because you're starting to think things are in the game and she's looking at him like what are you talking about and then she tells him to fuck off in, in fact and she runs away from him and then a guy just has a heart attack in front of him he's the only guy who's around to do anything yeah. about it and in true van orton style he he does nothing he just stares and slowly comes over he's left his briefcase just to the side there and the girl rushes back yeah. because he's not going to do anything that's going to save this life. Mm. And she said, look, he's pissed himself. He's And he's like, it's all in the game. But she yanks his teeth out, gives him mouth to mouth. Yeah. And it's like really kind of visceral. It's like, well, this doesn't look very game-like to me. This no, looks like it really makes dying. him question himself. And he, he's now not sure. A couple of times you can see in his face, is it a game? He doesn't want to get tricked. He wants to be in control, but he really doesn't know which way's up mm. at the moment. And, and he neither do up... you as the viewer. You haven't got a clue now. What, what? No, and he ends up, the ambulance comes, the police come, they want him to make a statement mm. and they make him ride in the back of the ambulance to... Yeah, and that's when he shows her the note that he was given. It says, don't let her go, don't let her get away. And she's like... <laughs> yeah, could apply to anyone. He's mm. decided it's her because... He was, she was the only girl that he'd seen in that. So anyway, when they get to the airport, it's like an underground, not the airport, it's the hospital, isn't it? And yeah. it's like an underground car parky thing. And as they park the ambulance, all the power switches off and everybody fucks off. So now you're like, oh, it is the game. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't seem to know what's going on. And then at the far end of the, the underground car park, there's a lift, isn't there? And he's got a key to get him in there. And yeah, it's strange because he's following her as much as he thinks it's a game, as much as he says, oh, the, he's not brave enough to stay in that dark car park alone. And he walks off after the, the girl in the lift. This everybody saw coming. The lift breaks. You know, the lift is <laughs> one of those that stops halfway up and he uses the key from the clown's mouth to open. No, to start the, yeah. the lift in the first yeah. place, which then breaks and they climb out in the floor of the the crs building crs building yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, mind-boggling it's there's a lot of plot isn't there because i don't know how much we're going to break it all down because it's but it's loads of layers of really cleverly paced scenes that flip your expectations multiple yeah. times in them mm. you don't know who's in the game you don't know who's well, it's, just a it, normal person it sort of tells you at the start that in a way that none of this is going to be real yeah. it's a game but this it the way it's brilliant is that it weaves so much paranoia and second guessing into it that you and don't know which life. bits are and yeah. who is who is part of them and how well they how far reaching can the game actually be because at yeah. one point his bank tell him that all his money's gone you know so the you know are the bank really involved you know and it's they tell you well, every it, layer of well, they life. tell you it's brilliant the way they do that because they they say oh we've done all your psychological profiling and that that you did so we use that to hack all your bank accounts mm. and we've taken all your money and that's what the game is it's this sinister paranoid organization that's out to exploit millionaires so he checks his bank he phones his swiss bank account and then he uses his password and then they're like oh no that was the game <laughs> we got you to record it to say it now we've actually got your because, stuff. Yeah. It's like we call it a game, but a few times we've got really extreme life, potentially life threatening moments. There's mm. one one time when he's in a cab and the cab in the water, the cab driver rolls out as he's 
blasting towards the end of the the pier yeah and and then the car goes under you know with him in yeah it. and he's been given a a handle <laughs> it, it, at some point earlier and it was just like a wrench handle isn't it, it well, he's trying to figure out earlier he's looking at like what am i supposed game. to do it's with this game. i'm not sure at this point but soon after if not this point he's he makes it out the car he, he mm-hmm. swims to the surface and wants to know about to his brother you know his brother says it's all gone wrong it, this there was that scene isn't there yeah, they've attacked Sean me. Penn, they've actually come i paid them off the game won't you know the game isn't a game they won't stop. What they're trying to do is kill everyone. I've paid them, I've paid them, they yeah. won't let me. And he ends up having a huge argument and running away from his brother, yeah. which just makes it another level of unsettled disappointment for him. He's yeah, He really doesn't know which way to go at this stage. Well, he's also now starting to be blackmailed. There were photo- They set up a, a trashed hotel room with pictures of... Uh, Christine, I guess it yeah, was, right. and drugs and all sorts of shit. So, you know, he's starting to lose absolutely everything, lose all of his power in the situation. And and his character being called into question, which he also has this, as Sidey mentioned, this high pressure deal going on that mm. he thinks that might be part of it, doesn't he? And he, he goes mm. in with these photographs of a woman in a red bra and he'd already seen Christine in a red bra when... They'd yeah. been earlier. She had had to take a shower, and and so he's just confused. And he goes into Anton Bayer, the publisher, and he accuses him of blackmailing him in front of his wife and in front of his daughter. Yeah, in this really kind of cringy scene mm-hmm. where he just throws it all on the table. He's got mm-hmm. his lawyer, and then. He says, oh, well, I don't know why I'd be blackmailing you because I signed all the papers you wanted to this morning. What's your problem? And he's got to row right back. And he's not good at that either, is he? Oh, misunderstanding, mumble something under his breath and Mm -hmm. he's he's out the door. And his number two, his lawyer, he's really kind of worried about him at this stage. He's saying, are you okay? Do Mm -hmm. I need to be? How concerned should I be? And he's losing his mind on the outside a little bit. Yeah. He, He really has been put through the mill with this. And this is the yeah. coolest cucumber ever. I mean, this guy is just... He's ruthless. He's ruthless. Yeah, he, you yeah. Know. I, t- I don't know how to go on with this because there's literally so much more plot. I'm looking at my notes. There's so many more, like, really c- cleverly hmm. put together And it is. Scenes. And, and, you know, if, you haven't, if people haven't seen it, then going through all the plot is probably not going to suit them anyway. So just it's layered. So many different layers of different games. You're not sure who's in the game. You're not sure who's going to... Um, there's an amazing scene and the, uh, they go back to Christine's and you're convinced now that she's not in on it. Yeah. And then when they go back there, he just looks around and he notices that the, the, her apartment is more like a film set. Mm. It's just brilliant. There's like a light bulb that's still got a price tag on and there's like the books aren't real on the shelves. <laughs> but the books were brilliant, the weren't they? They were just like... Which is empty. Half a book and they've just... So paranoid, so paranoid, and there's big shootouts, and like you say, genuinely think his life is at at stake, and then you know, obviously, should we just get right to it? Well, well, it's a few times that there's, I say, the the car. You know, there's gunshots well, yeah. all around. The, the as car, well. especially, you're like, well, he could have died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and there, there's a couple others I'm probably missing that you really think, geez, he's they they drug him at once. Yeah, well, I think they, the end know? probably constitutes yeah. one of those as yeah. well to be to be fair dad yeah well, they, it takes that, a certain amount of like how certain can you be that yeah what happened are we going to say exactly what happens at the end i'll just say that the ending is brilliant 
the ending is but it does it does require a certain amount of luck in a way well the whole film becomes really implausible about two thirds of the way through but it doesn't really matter anymore because it's just such a good thriller and yeah i I used to not enjoy the ending actually but this time around i was just it's absolutely brilliant it's all the whole movie is just great well a lot of the you know people that will suggest things and they will then you'll go and do them or you'll go and say these Mm. kind of things so they can make you choose you know yeah it appears you've got free choice, but in fact, because of the subliminal messages they've they've fed into you, you kind of feel you're going to go one way. And that's how I approach the end in, in the second half of this film, really, that the psychological job they did do on this movie gaslights so you. That's what it does. It gaslights you in this movie. Yeah. You just don't know what it's doing and what it's making you think. If if you'd been put through the mill like this and at the end everyone's like, surprise, <laughs> would you have been like, oh, yeah, that was brilliant. Thanks. <laughs> I'm like, you fucking assholes. That I did enjoy the T-shirt. <laughs> What's the T-shirt but say? I, mean, it's, it, I got drugged and left in Mexico and all I yeah. got there was this lousy T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and But it is that, that kind of thing, uh, uh, that full reflection on himself that he's been forced to do in this game. And as it said, you know, once you are blind, now you can see. And that's kind of how I guess he felt coming off that final scene. He um, ends up, like asking Christine for it, and she says she can't, she's got another job to do, but she offers to have coffee with him. Yeah. Do you think they lived happily ever after eventually, or do you think that was just the start of something else? Take them to the airport. Start of something else, yeah. I would say. Yeah. But Van Orton th- moving on into a new yeah. life. Yeah, I think that was just a, a case of him doing something that he wouldn't normally do. Yeah. There, Spontaneous you know, and doing it, it on her terms. It, it changes his outlook and he's 48 years old. It's the same age mm. his, his father passed and, and killed himself. So it's just that perfect time for him to reestablish his life and, and move on. And it kind of makes him with the the conversations he has afterwards. He doesn't freak out at everybody. He doesn't. Yeah, uh, lose his shit and start grabbing one of those guns and all the people that you've seen throughout the film or lots of them and little bit part characters they're waving they're clapping yeah. and and this is a guy who, mm. who has basically been born again mm. you know this is what this company has done mm. they've given him the opportunity to to take everything back and say what is really important yeah there it is and that's and, the, and the cinematography's really good and the editing's yeah. really good as well yeah it's all oh, the great. editing's fantastic. The way that this story is put together, and as you say, the pace, mm. just the way it's rank, ratched up to to that crescendo at the mm. end, and then let, allows it just to settle for like five or ten minutes afterwards, where you think, yeah, okay, because you get him working through a load of his personal demons. Because with his brother, he confesses to him, like, you know, I had to go and be the old. I had to go and be this guy now in my yeah. life you know and then with his ex-wife he sort of apologizes she was in on it or not i'm not yeah, sure she's she there at the end fuck knows um well maybe yeah. this is one of the most implausible things that you would get as many people to go along with it as they well, did. well but to yeah. have such a you know like such a wealthy guy a smarmy elitist asshole and by the end of it you're kind of rooting for him yeah. <laughs> you know basically through what he's been through and then even if you choose to see it as like just a portrait of a narcissist who thinks the world revolves around him like and it's literally happening that's an interesting thing to think about as well so it's which, yeah. which he is yeah by the end of the film he's not and this game has gone a long way in helping him resolve it's that clever. so yeah like it is it. it's a clever film 
really enjoyed this it. This was better than I remember. It yeah, being. I haven't. I've seen it twice before, and this is the third time. Probably haven't seen it in six, seven years, but I enjoyed this mm. time more than uh, the, the others. F- the very first time that I watched it, I fucking hated it. Right. I don't know why. I enjoyed it. I don't know if it was coming off the back of seven or what mm. it was, but I think I was just being a prick because I was watching it with a group of people. And they <laughs> I all loved hated it. the ending. I and, hated and the I ending. I didn't want to like it, but I now I watched it like every couple of years I go back to it because I just think it's fucking great. Yeah. Really, really good. Yeah. It's just it got that aesthetic that's really pleasing to me. It's super fucking paranoid and even when you've seen it, it still works like i think it's still i, I try and not you know watch it just i've just not quite you never forget it no but not. everything's all the details are just a little bit blurry you know and you can still enjoy it and michael douglas is great he's yeah, just really he fucking really cool really he plays this kind of character like better than anyone I well, think. this is a, a kind of gordon gecko kind of goes jaws of the Nile when he needs to with a bit of action and running around and things. He says that but, thing about his shoe at one point when he, he loses yeah. his shoe and he's like, oh, that's like a couple of thousand. Yeah. And she's like, for your shoes? He's like, well, yeah, that one. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Great. Really good. If you haven't seen this, watch it. And yeah. If you it. have seen it, watch it again. Could have been a very different movie. Jodie Foster was originally signed on to play his sister. Not It wasn't going to be a brother, it was a sister, but she <sighs> wanted to change it to be his daughter. Um Mm. so they can turn so you're basically saying look i look far too young yeah to well, be they, his fincher and douglas were like no that's rubbish so they cast sean penn so she sued them to the tune of 54 and a half million dollars wow. even though her production company was one of the was one of the companies involved in the movie they settled out of court in the end so that's oh, weird eight away at the profits were there any for this oh yeah the, the budget for this was 50 mil yeah and it made 110 Nice. Probably a bit more than he's that. He's good, David Venture, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's fucking rad. At least rad. ten of that went to Jody. Who was the guy who pointed the ink out, and he came right at the end? As he well. was. The, they implied that he was the leader of CRS. Right. Okay. Right at the end, they implied that, or okay. maybe I inferred it. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> maybe the game has started for us as well, Reeks. Mm. And then they were, were going to go for Jeff Bridges after Jody Foster as the brother. Right. The brother didn't have that much to do in it, to be honest. You know, Sean Penn. Well, he, he does fake his own death at least once. <laughs> he gets right at the end. He gets yeah. shot with the thing. Oh, no. I mean, uh, plot wise, he does. But yeah. actually, within the film, he doesn't have lots of scenes. It's mainly Michael Douglas. You've got Sean Penn mm. at the beginning. There's the meal. It's mostly the Michael Douglas show, although Deborah Cara Unger is very good as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's not David Fincher's favourite movie. No, he doesn't like the ending. He doesn't like the final third and he wishes he hadn't made it. But I'm glad that he did because I think it's excellent. Even if you don't like the ending, the first two thirds is so, so well done. Just watch it for that and then turn it off. (laughs) 